Welcome to the Toxin Terminator, helping people to restore and renew their health by removing the toxins from the home and their lives. Join in as industry thought leaders help you understand the physical and emotional effects these products can have on you and your family, and the safe alternatives you can use to remove the hidden toxins for renewed health. Now, please welcome your host, the Toxin Terminator herself, Amy Carlson. And welcome everyone. Today we have got a board certified physician. He has studied extensively in integrative and functional medicine and he's going to be sharing with us how his drive for recognition and acceptance achieving his personal goals really led him down a path of lifestyle that after time and compounding he got into a diagnosis so he turned from doctor to patient and wait until you hear his story he knows these choices are what ultimately led to his diagnosis of stage 4 non Hodgkin's lymphoma, and he's going to talk to us how he went from doctor to patient and found true healing after he got into remission. I would like you guys to please welcome Dr. Nagula. I am so excited that you're here. Thank you so much for having me on this podcast. It's a pleasure to be here with you today. You bet. I really, really enjoyed reading your story, and I know my listeners are going to really appreciate it because we talk so much about lifestyle. And I think that you would be in agreement with me that, you know, the American Cancer Society says that cancer is only 5% genetic, that 95% of all cancer cases are lifestyle choices that we make. Would that be correct? I would have to agree with you. I mean, I think all these cancers that we see an uptick in over the last years, decades, has been attributed to more lifestyle changes than anything else or lack of lifestyle changes. Yeah. Right. And obviously, I focus in on toxicities that we're exposed to through our environment, but it also can be what we're exposed to through our mindset. So I really want to get into that part of your story is you were so driven and I can so relate to that story as well. I was in a family business and oh my gosh, you know, it consumes you and that drive for that outward acceptance. And I'll let you put your words to it, but I think that it was a huge part in what led you down the path that you went down, if you'd like to dig into that. Sure. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think number one is, I think it's a mindset that is commonplace with most entrepreneurs. (laughs) And whether this mindset was inherited to an extent or whether it was ingrained into our software and DNA as we were raised by our parents, it's all commonplace in terms of this drive that we have. And for me, it was my parents thought that when they came to this country, they didn't have much and they wanted a better lifestyle for their children. And so as a result, they felt that in order to give that lifestyle and they wanted to instill values that required myself and my brothers to be very good at school. And it was all about achieving, achieving, achieving. Right. And everything else was a distraction. You had to be focused in terms of being number one or being best in school and doing excellent in school and education. And that mentality stuck with me as I was growing up. And even after I left home, that inner voice that I heard growing up from my parents was their teachings as I was growing up. And it became my inner voice. It became who I ended up being, even though I left home. Right. And it became the person that I needed to be to succeed. And because of that drive and the 
I wasn't aware of what was going on at that time. I didn't have a self-awareness to like put a stop to it and develop proper coping strategies and develop other habits that would allow me to not focus so much on the drive. And I feel like if that was something that I could have had or been taught, I think a lot of my problems in terms of ultimately getting cancer would have probably been eliminated or been definitely subsided. The percentage chance of me converting into a cancer person would have been subsided if I had that type of self-awareness or training or guidance, if you will. Sure. And I definitely want to get into the post, you know, and what the dig in and what you did to really tap into that self-awareness that, you know, changing from the inside, because it truly, I believe that's where our healing becomes is we've got to look to the inside because if we don't have the mindset to make the changes. They're only going to be temporary in the beginning anyway. Right. You know, so talk to us about I know by reading your story that you know you went off with becoming a doctor and having your own clinic and setting up your own surgery center talk to us about the lifestyle that you were living during those hours and times that led up to Sure. We talked about the mindset but what were the physical things that you were doing that led to your ultimate diagnosis? Well, the path of becoming a physician in this in, in this society is quite <laughs> grueling in of itself. Yeah. And that kind of set the stages for me even after I graduated medical school and my residency. I mean, you're essentially in school after college, you know, you're four years in medical school, then you're anywhere between three to seven years of residency. And this is, you're completely devoid of your 20s if you go in the right pathway after graduating college and matriculating to medical school and not having any delays. And the grueling hours in med school, the stress that you're on, and then in training as a medical student, you're also in doing clinical rotations, which require a lot of hours. Then you graduate med school and you go into residency where you're working in the hospital 100 plus hours a week. You know, you're on call every third night. And when you're on call, you're basically working your full day shift and then you go into your night shift and you don't sleep at all. And then you work the next day, a full day shift. Right. So you're up for 36 hours. And, you know, if anything, that is a drive. I mean, that's, that's not conducive to well-being. It's, it's just, and they're training us to be in that discipline as to become a healer. It's, it's ridiculous. How can you be a healer when you're not functioning on a proper mindset and you don't have the proper strategies? And in school, they don't give you any coping strategies. They don't teach you anything about how to offset the stress that you're under physically and emotionally by what you're doing as a trainee. And I wish that was given to us. So if you spent more time in recovery, you would have been able to perform optimally, you know, given the lack of sleep that you're getting and given the number of hours that you have to work. So all this set the stage early on for me. And as I graduated and I had my first job and it didn't work out for whatever reason, and I started my own practice and it was all about meeting a metric. And that was that is a very common place for entrepreneurs. It's like, okay, I have this bar set. And if I achieve this bar, you know, it's not good enough because I have to set my goals higher and achieve that next bar. And that's what I kept doing to myself. And I just, it, nothing would satisfy me. It was just the thirst of more, the thirst of more. And it didn't matter if I was making oodles of money or if I was garnering a lot of respect from the community and if I was healing people. It wasn't satisfying because in my head, I had that inner voice that was saying, you need to do more, you need to do more. And nothing was good enough. And that in of itself was setting the stage for me to take a huge fall in terms of my health. 
Then you couple that with the sleepless nights, the lack of coping strategies, the lack of a community support, and also not taking care of my body from a nutrition standpoint. Right. I mean, I wrote in my book that I grew up essentially a vegetarian in my parents' household and I was eating great. My mom had the best cooking. As soon as I left, it was the last time I had like a decent vegetarian meal or vegetables other than the scrap of lettuce on my burger was when I was in high school. <laughs> scrap of lettuce on your burger. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's pretty much it. And that counts though, right? It's, it's on there. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It is. It, it goes to show you, it was a perfect storm. It was a perfect setup for cancer. And my mission right now is to educate people and to start people in a behavior mindset to prevent these things from happening. Right. You know, and it's really easy if you get the word out and people become very proactive and take preventative measures early on, you won't have issues down the road. It'll be minimized at the very worst case scenario. So let's go there. I love, love hearing that you are a physician and yet you're wanting to deal with the lifestyle. I think some of at least my frustration, and I've been in the medical field, I had a brother and I did lose him, but I was his caregiver and his primary, you know, guardian, if you will. And never once in any of his caretaking over all those years did anybody talk about lifestyle choices ever once and, you know, and how that was affecting their overall health. And so to listen to you talk about mindset and, you know, getting the appropriate sleep and nutritionally feeding the body, let's go into that. And what do you talk to people about? What would you say? No, I let's just start there because I'm I'm compounding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's the easiest change that we can implement is changing our diet, and I think it's really such an easy choice and it's such an easy transition, and it makes such a huge impact that I think that's what I'd recommend doing first. You know, and when I mean changing your diet, I mean eliminating processed foods. And what is a processed food? Anything that's packaged, anything that's not in its whole natural self is essentially considered processed. Yeah. You know, going out to a fast food joint, and this is what I did. I knew food choices were bad, but I wasn't smart enough to figure out that, okay, I was smart enough to know that going to McDonald's is a bad thing. <laughs> but what I didn't know was going to, you know, Subway was equally as bad. Right. You know, I, and that's the thing is educating people on the right choices. And honestly, the issue is, is that we want to be able to eliminate the processed food and also the pesticides that are just rampant in our food supply. And it's everywhere. Yes. And you know, the easiest thing to do, and it's the easiest thing, is very easy. Just eliminate the foods by processed foods and the toxicity by pesticides by simply switching over to organic. If you eat organic, it automatically means that you're eating foods that are non-GMO and that are dense in nutrients and are devoid in the pesticides. Right. And that such a long way for a person's like overall toxic burden and eliminate the potential of chronic diseases to show up. Exactly. Now, what about, I had a guest on that talked about just changing her water source and not just what she was drinking, but how they were bathing reduced her symptoms of Meniere's disease 100% oh, wow. because she wasn't showering in the contaminated water. 
and I bring it up because you're talking about pesticides and we most think about that in our food source. Do you guys think about that in our water source as well? It's it's interesting. When I was doing my research, like I was thinking just strictly it was a food thing, right? Yeah. And it's not just a food thing. It's your environmental like toxins that you're exposed to on a daily basis, your water supply, you know, and it even goes to the chemicals you put on your body, like your soaps, your detergents, your makeup, cosmetics that you put on. All that has a place, sunscreen, anything that is not natural has a tendency to be toxic to our bodies. So you could sit there and eat an organic meal on three days a week. But if you're not addressing the other triggers, like environmental pollutants such as water, you're not making any headway. And it's really getting the full spectrum of awareness and figuring out which pieces of the puzzle to implement and which things to eliminate. That's going to optimally enhance your well-being. I actually didn't really come to this conclusion until I did my own testing and I did some micronutrient testing, some other testing, and I realized that my water supply had traces of gasoline in it. Oh my gosh. And then I'm like, oh geez, this is like Arlington County and this is like a really wealthy county. And I'm like, if this has traces of gasoline, imagine like what other areas of the country have in their water supply. So I have now I have, I filter water. I have a reverse osmosis tank in my home, and I have eliminated all like shampoos. You use natural shampoos and natural soaps. I tried to switch over to a toothpaste that was a little bit more gentler and more natural. It is just disgusting. I couldn't do it. <laughs> so it, it's really picking. I mean, you can't do everything 100, but if you can really strive to get a large percentage of switch to eliminate these toxins and remove the toxic burden that's in your body, you're on your way. Exactly. And I stress with people too, because my belief is that we cannot get to renewed health without removing the toxins, period. Whether it be 100%. through our food, through our environment, through our mind, you know, set, you're just not going to get to it unless you do that. What about, you were talking about, I want to listen to what you have to say about overload. You know, do people understand we talk about cancer because that was your diagnosis, but there's other chronic diseases. And I say that's when your body's screaming at you. Mm -hmm. What would be something that people would experience that are having toxic overload that your body's kind of nudging you? It's poking at you saying, hey, hey, you know, you need to start paying attention. Well, all of these things, when we talk about chronic diseases and toxic overload, it's all secondary to inflammation in our bodies. Mm -hmm. And that's the key thing here is that all these diseases, including cancer, is an issue that has arisen secondary to chronic states of inflammation in our body. And the idea is to reduce all these issues, we have to reduce inflammation. So we want to lead an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And we want to actually perform activities that is conducive to an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. And when I say inflammation, it's basically just anything that's in our bodies that is where we have systems in place in our bodies that tend to bring us to equilibrium. Like if you have a bruise and you cut yourself, our body will work its way to reduce the inflammation and to help heal. But in stages of chronic inflammation, our body is ridden with that period of time where it's trying to heal itself and it's overwhelmed. When this processes occur for longer periods of time, then we get into a stage of chronic inflammation. And our body doesn't have a chance to heal itself. It has the capacity to, but if it's overridden with trying to reduce inflammation, then it's just a setup for chronic diseases to ensue. And that's why it's important to take these steps 
to reduce the inflammation. And by doing so is eliminating the toxic burden that's in your body by changing your diet, getting rid of these environmental toxins that are plentiful in our environment, and also taking practices to reduce stress. And that's really where you want implement like the mind-body, the mindfulness, and the mind-body strategies. And that, along with reducing your diet and reducing the toxic burden, reduces inflammation. And that, to me, is the key to unlocking your potential for well-being. Okay. So when you're talking about inflammation in the body, and I like that, I wrote down an anti-inflammatory lifestyle. If you're say, you know, here we are, we're, you know, regular people, we don't understand what inflammation looks like in our body. What do we want to be watching for? Well, I mean, we're all, it's just a matter of life, right? We're always going to be in some sort of inflammation state. It's just almost impossible to be 100% in an anti-inflammatory state. Right. But there are markers that you can get drawn, you know, from your blood that can detect inflammation that's in your body. There's something that's called high sensitivity C-reactive protein. That is a marker to test inflammation. There are other markers that you need to draw in addition to that to give you a comprehensive overall view of the inflammatory status that's in your body. If it's elevated, then you have to figure out what it is that's causing your body to be in inflammation. And that's when you have to do the digging or have a provider that you're working with, preferably someone that's in the integrative medicine space or functional medicine space or naturopathic, because they can give you the guidance that you need to help reduce the inflammation that you're plagued with. Once you have taken steps to reduce the inflammation that's potentially causing your body to go in an overactive state, then you can get the blood redrawn with these markers and to see if there's any improvement. If there's any improvement in the overall burden of toxicity, then these inflammation markers will obviously be reduced. Awesome. Okay. So that was a very doctor-like answer. (laughs) (laughs) So for a lay person, I'm still, you know, so there's tests. You know, we can go in and find out about this protein and see if it's elevated in our blood. But would you have symptoms, say, for instance, like you're not sleeping well, you have uh, rashes, unexplained rashes, you have, you know, are there like those kinds of symptoms that people could say, oh, maybe there's something going on with my body that I need to be paying attention to? Right. It's really hard to pinpoint because everyone is going to have symptoms that are different from another person. Okay. So if I give a certain array of symptoms to look out for, I don't want people to sit there and say, oh, I don't have those symptoms, therefore I'm not in an inflammatory state. It doesn't work that way, right? But some things that to be, you know, be conscientious about and be aware about are things that where our digestive system is impaired, you know, where we have like a lot of bloating, or our bowel habits are, are, are changing and it's changing. Mm-hmm. Or the caliber of our stool is actually different than it should have been years ago. You know? And then also you know, increased weight gain. And as you mentioned, like rashes, that's a huge sign. Those are all stages where it's already getting to the point where it's a little too late. And that's when obviously action has to be taken immediately. But you need to be aware of your body well beforehand. And that's the thing is like, we're not in tune with our bodies. No. Right? And that's the problem. We don't know from day to day what our body's doing. And we don't have the correlation and mindset to say, I'm going to eat something and watch how my body reacts to it. We just say, oh, it's just, eh, I ate something bad. But really, what you ate that was bad is causing a severe stress on your body, and that's causing inflammation. 
And if you don't have the awareness, you're just going to repeat that process and put yourself into a chronic inflammatory state. And it could be something as I'm eating too much dairy, right? Right. And then if you have the awareness that maybe that piece of cheese or that glass of milk is causing these symptoms, and I need to be more in tune with that. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about is like no one can be more aware of your personal body except for you. Right. And you can empower yourself with just being more aware of your body and what reacts differently to your body from a day-to-day basis. And by having that awareness, you can stop a lot of these issues and processes that lead to chronic disease. And that's that mindfulness because it's not a one answer fits all. And I like how you say, you know, go to an integrative, you know, our functional medicine doctor because they're going to be looking at the whole, you know, you as a whole, not just one piece or one part of you. The thing I think so many of us that are lay find frustrating is, you know, like you said, you can't say this one ray of symptoms means X, Y, Z. And I think that's something that's frustrating for us is because oh, you know, I have this set of symptoms. And if you, you know, go to Google MD, (laughs) right? Oh gosh, it's this, it's that. It's, you know, it can be a million things. I mean, fatigue, hot flashes, you know, I'm a menopausal or postmenopausal woman. You know, there's so many things. Well, it could be hormone imbalance, but it could be, you know, this, it's so many things. And how do you know what to believe? I agree. And that's the thing. I think you're making things worse by opening up Pandora's box and thinking that you have this disease by reading a list of symptoms that are probably totally unrelated to you. Yeah. And that's just how the internet is set up. And unfortunately, it's obviously it's the greatest thing having all this information at our fingertips, but it could also do some harm and make us go a little nutso in our minds and be like, oh my God, I have this disease. I have that disease. That's me. No, it's really not. And it's before we get to that panic state, we need to do a little bit more digging and have some self-awareness and do our own healing. And if we go straight to looking up symptoms, we're going to go into panic mode and and label that with a disease. So it's better to a few steps backward and try to figure out what we're doing that can cause these symptoms. And it's simple as eliminating a piece of cheese or eliminating that extra glass of red wine, or it's various things depending on each individual. Absolutely. I have to share a story because I've got some friends. I have breast implants and I got them a long, long time ago. And I have some friends that are going through the series of having them removed right now. And I'm not saying that that's not on the table for me because it's obviously not something natural that's in my body. I did it way back before I was in the space I'm in today. But I was reading the symptoms to my husband and he's like, well, I have every single one of those (laughs) symptoms too and I have no breast implants, (laughs) you know, and that's where I get into that confusing, you know, aspect of it. And it truly is finding somebody that you trust, you know, and that mindfulness, you know, when I loved your answer, when I asked about, you know, symptoms, your first thing that you went to was poop. You know, it's like... But if you want to know how healthy you are, that's the first place to start. That's true. You know, it's, how are you pooping? <laughs> it's like, and people look at me and laugh about that, but it's so true because your digestive health is going to dictate the rest of the health of your body. And that's a very good point. I'm glad you pointed that out because as a doctor, I didn't even like look at that as a diagnostic criteria for my overall health. And I'm like, I'm a physician and I didn't even, I'm thinking about, okay, let me draw some blood and run some labs. 
But no, it's as simple as looking at the caliber of your stool and seeing what it's like. And that is a huge indicator of your overall digestive health, which is a huge role of your overall well-being, including your mind-body connection, including brain health. Yeah. It all starts with the gut. It does. I mean, the science has been there for a while, but more and more is coming forward now about the vagus nerve and and our emotional state of mind is very much dictated by our gut health. Mm -hmm. And I love that because that is so very true. And I know a huge part of your recovery came after your remission and you did go the route of traditional medicine, you know, with your cancer And I always tell the people that listen to me is that everybody gets their choice of what they want to do. And you have to listen to your body and know what's going to be right in the right choices for you, right? Right. And I think that's the thing, you know, as much as I, I mean, I'm I'm definitely a Western medical practitioner and I espouse the Eastern philosophy. So there are (laughs) roles in society for both. Yeah. And I don't like it when people are in either extreme. You know, I think you have to be really, you know, open-minded and realize that there are limitations in both and there are advantages of both disciplines. And I had to use both because when I was going through my issues is that the tumors in my body just really started to grow aggressively where it was impinging on my ureter and impinging on my kidney and it was causing me pain. And it was like the only way to really reduce that was to really blast it with chemo. Yeah. Yeah. And to support the chemotherapy, because chemotherapy is great. It's going to eliminate the toxic stuff, but it's also going to like blast some of the good things too. Right. And, you know, in order to compensate, you really need to like take a step and put a lot of nutrients into your body, eating the right foods, taking the right supplements. You know, that's an art. And unfortunately, that art isn't present with a lot of Western practitioners. Right. And that's in this particular case, it's like I had the foresight and knowledge to have the right blend of both to eliminate the cancer and to keep it away and keep me in remission. Right. And I like how after your diagnosis, you that's when you really got into the mindset, you know, after, you know, recovery health-wise, you know, okay, now my body's in a position, but I'm finding out my mind is not. Yeah. My mind is so angry right now. Can you talk to us about how that transition has really been beneficial for you? Yeah. Honestly, when I was writing my book, you know, I was writing about how I went through my stages in my journey of how I got the cancer and how I started to heal myself. But what dawned on me was that, you know, I was taking so much time and effort to hear my physical self. I really didn't take an approach to help my mind and my spirit. And it was the lack of addressing the spirituality of myself was where I was needing to focus. And as my book is, it's a balance of the mind, body, and spirit to really attain well-being. I was so full of anger and I had no community to really lean on. Mm -hmm. And in my research, I realized that if we're alone, being alone is a risk factor for mortality, more so than smoking and alcohol. And that like hit home for me because loneliness is indeed a risk factor of poor health. Right. And then I realized that it's like, I need to heal myself by leaning on my community and developing a community. I moved to the DC area and I didn't have a community. So I was like, I need to establish this. 
And so over the last year and some change, I've really gotten into a community where it's been helping me heal and I've had some support to foster this new like change of improving my spirituality and my mental well-being. Right, right. So what, you know, were you finding yourself, you know, I like how you tie in the spirituality and and it sounds to me like there was just kind of a void there. Yeah. And you needed to fill it. So what kinds of things are you filling that void with today? Right. So spirituality is, you know, it doesn't mean necessarily espousing a religion, you know, right? Spirituality to me is experiencing and understanding that we're all connected. Right. You know, all of the beings on the earth, humans, anything that's alive and has a consciousness, we're all connected. We're all one. And we're all part of this universe together. And it's not about me against you or you against me. It's we're in this together. Mm -hmm. And once you have that realization, it really puts you in a different mindset. You really want to do activities to be of service to people. And that helps improve and enhance your spiritual growth and spiritual well-being. And that's the shift that I've had in the last year and a half or so is that my whole objective now for people is to help promote awareness of how to heal. And it's not coming from a sense of ego. It's not coming from a sense of where I want to make money or I want to grow my entrepreneurship business. It's a sense coming from a place of wanting to be of service. And when you've reached that state, and I'm still not at that state, I still have ways, but I'm going in that direction. Mm -hmm. And that's enhance your spiritual growth. And that's how you help heal yourself when you come from a place from giving and being of service. I absolutely love that. So much of your story resonates with me. You know, I was an entrepreneur for the past 30 plus years, you know, building that empire. And now what I do has nothing to do with money or building an empire. It has everything to do with how can I give voice to such a huge need out there and, you know, provide value. So I appreciate people like you coming on that have such a powerful story, you know, of walking through that journey yourself. Thank you. Thank you for saying You know, everybody needs to hear in their own voice that they need to hear it in, right? You know, not everybody resonates with everybody. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's understanding that we're all different that makes us unique. Yeah. And there's not, I believe that there's not one answer and one size fits all. You know, you've got to look at what works for you. And can you talk more? We're going to get wrapped up here, you know, shortly, but can you talk more about that listening to your body? You know, is there anything that you can say that really honed in on you of how you were not listening and then what shifted that made you, you know, now you're paying attention and really identifying those things. Right. So I did a big 180. I was never in tune with what my body needed when I was pushing myself. Right. And it was all about my mind. And we have to be aware that we're two components. We're the mind and the body. So we need to listen to our bodies, right? And be more in our bodies and less in our mind. And that will help us to understand what our soul needs. And by understanding what our soul needs, we can actually take a few steps back and nourish the parts that are needed and be able to help heal ourselves or prevent ourselves from getting some sort of chronic disease. So have you found that, you know, finding what that soul needs, did you do that on your own? Did you, was there some sort of guidance that you walked through to figure that out? Yeah, a lot of it was my spiritual awakening. That really gave me some insight as to what my soul really needed. And it needed to be part of a community. It needed to be in service to others. 
And, you know, I needed to experience like the universal oneness. And that to me is us trying to meet our higher self. And that is what I needed. And not everyone else needs that and made everyone think that that's not a path for them. But just being in service to others in of a way is helping the oneness aspect of the universe. And these are things that I've taken a step after I wrote my book and after I did my own research and after I started my own healing process. And again, I'm not saying that you have to be religious and spirituality does not correlate with taking a religious perspective. It just means that you're just seeing the bigger picture that there is this universe that's out there and we all live in this universe together. Why do we need to live a life where we're alone and in fighting? It just, we need to appreciate each other. And by doing so, we're going to be performing actions that are more productive and not destructive. Right. Well, I'm more in tune with, you know, I think spirituality also is realizing that it's not about you. Exactly. It's about the community, that there is whatever it is that you want to believe in, that there's something bigger, better, you know, out there. And it's being a part of that. You are just a piece in that pie, right? Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. That's awesome. So you have, Dr. Nagula, you've got several ways. I know your big deal is from doctor to patient. So you've got a podcast that you have. Yes. You've got a website from doctortopatient.com. You've got a book that you wrote. You want to talk to us a little bit about that? I read it and loved it, by the way. Yeah. So the first part of this was releasing the book from doctor to patient, Healing Cancer Through Mind, Body, and Spirit. And then I just thought about it a little bit more. And I really like the whole theme of from doctor to patient because it not only comes from a place where I become the patient and I'm and the doctor, but it also comes from me as being the doctor talking to people as the patients. And so I thought that that would be a great way of branding in myself. And so as you alluded to, my website's from doctortopatient.com. And I have a lot of blogs and my podcasts are on there. And you know you can reach out to me through the website. And also, we are also releasing podcasts on a weekly basis. And each podcast is devoted to an aspect of healing. And so I take a deep dive with an expert in a modality, Eastern or Western, and we just go into it and, and talk and have a conversation about how this can enhance a person's healing. I love it. I love it. And I love my sister is a nurse and she always says nurses are the worst patients. I've got to think that doctors (laughs) Doctors are probably the worst (laughs) (laughs) as well. But what a great perspective and what a great experience. No one wants to wish that upon anybody, but what a great perspective you have in being still a doctor and a healer that you can talk to somebody coming from your own personal experience. You're not just going about what you've read in medical journals or studied or had experience with your clients. I think that's important too. And that might differentiate and separate me from a lot of other healers because I've been there. I've done it. And you know, I've dug deep to come out of that bottom pit that I was in. And I've crawled out and I'm out of it and I'm still climbing out of it And because I, I have so much to learn and so much to give. And that's kind of my path at this point. Ah, And I love that attitude with it. You know, we just never stop learning. We're always, you know, there's always something new to learn. Is there any final thoughts you'd like to leave our listeners with as we close up? Yeah, I I would really encourage people to really pick up a copy of the book and read it. And there's so many good tenets in it. And it can help you individually heal as a person. But more importantly, the tenets can be used to pay it forward to help others. 
Wonderful. Now, is there, where do they need to go to grab that copy of the book? Because we'll put that into the blog that we, in the show notes. Yeah, you can go onto Amazon and purchase it online. You can get the ebook or you can also get a paperback or hard copy. You can also go onto Books a Million and you can go to Barnes and Nobles online as well to purchase the copy. Wonderful. And trust me, you guys will want the hard copy of this book because you're going to want to take notes and you're going to want to refer back to it. I absolutely loved the story in the book. So I will make sure that that gets included in the show notes so people can go in and grab that for you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Dr. Nagula, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to share your you know, wonderful story. And I know that it's going to impact so many people. And I love your attitude of service. Thank you. Thank you for having me. You bet. That's all for this episode of The Toxin Terminator. And we hope we've helped you remove the hidden toxins in your life for renewed health. If you're looking to continue your journey towards full rejuvenation, reach out to Amy directly by visiting amycarlson.com for your own one-on-one chat session, as well as your free toxic risk assessment. That's A-I-M-E-E carlson.com. And remember, you are just one small change away from renewed health.